survey, excavate, partake, and conversate on passions, concepts, hobbies, and philosophies with the crew at Hub for Hubba. Prepare to be introduced to your next obsession. Uh, Brandon and I were chatting the other day, and uh, we had this idea for like a different kind of intro to the podcast rather than uh like doing the normal camp countdown and everything of uh uh, three two one we just kind of start with a slow fade in with a conversation that's kind of already ongoing sure and uh like maybe that conversation is about something that we have an idea of uh, that we already have lined up in the future then we transition into the Hey, welcome to Hub for Hubbub. This is Corey, the Wood Tier Guru. I'm here with Strong Independent Testicle. I mean, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, today we're talking about tabletop role playing games uh, of the sort of Dungeons and Dragons uh, here with Matthew. Just Matthew. Yeah. Uh, it, it, Matt, bef- before we get into it, do you have any. Uh, uh, do we have any. Um, social media that you want to plug oh my god yeah sure why not well we can we can get into it as you pull uh, as you pull that up uh we'll get it early as well as uh towards the end of the podcast as well um sorry for the uh bit of the abrupt intro here um but uh, i figured a natural intro would be a little bit uh kind of what we're going for um so today we're talking about tabletop uh my primary in uh, i was introduced to tabletop a long time ago um but when i actually first got into it was uh with matthew uh mm-hmm. we met at a party and then we started talking about star wars and then we started talking about tabletop and dungeons and dragons and sorry about that um it's Matt's birth. It's Matt's thirtieth birthday today, and we are hosting uh, some fun things here. Uh, we're actually playing tabletop today, and uh, so people are trying to call me. Um, birthday pod. Birthday pod. Um, Starting a trend. You, gotta, you guys got to just start interviewing people on their birthdays now. <laughs> yeah, dude. That should be the subject. <laughs> uh, so, Matt, what's the last thirty years of your life been like? No, um, uh, but yeah, we met at uh, this party and started talking about tabletop, and then we started a D and D group. Uh, and I do think I remember you standing in my living room one day. I think it was the first time that we had hung out one on one, and uh, I believe you were just like, "I've always wanted to like playing a good game of D and D. We should just invite people over here." And I was like, "Sure," because I hadn't played in a long time either. And uh, yeah, I guess that's where it all began. I remember that first session was very, um, that first session was very, uh, like it was intended to like get our hype up on like the idea of tabletop. Like there were definitely some like unoriginal references oh. that we were like, Oh my God, this is fucking hype. <laughs> like towards the, uh, towards the, uh, towards the end of the session, uh, there was the, uh, the big, uh, stone, the like, Indiana Jones boulder trap. Exactly. Yeah. The literal Indiana Jones boulder trap that they ran away from to get out of the dungeon. Yeah, hey, that fuck was a it. Good time. I was also, I also, I mean, I wasn't a very experienced DM then. So, 
I kind of just watched a bunch of movies. And then I always tell people the first couple of years you're DMing, just steal everything. Yeah. And come up with anything original. Just just learn how to rule, like, do enforce the rules. And most importantly, learn how to, like, read the table and keep the pace. Because every time the pace falls apart, 99% of the time the pace falls apart, it's the DM's fault. So, What do you mean by the pace? Um, because the, the kind of the whole concept. tracking and maintaining focus. Okay, I, I I would say is the purpose of the the pace. So when so when the DM is constructing a session, um, I I usually think that they should keep things um, abstract to allow the players as much room as possible to like create the situations for them themselves. But what they should consider is as things are brought up and layered in, how they're layered in pace wise, so that the players never feel like they're just doing one thing too long and also don't lose focus and then fall apart, which is, I mean, you, we that, that first campaign, I think there was a lot of losing focus and falling apart for sure. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, unexper- inexperienced groups. Um... I mean, the rules were playing um, fourth edition Dungeons & Dragons, which let's... Just say it's not the best edition of Dungeons and Dragons. No, literally go play a video game that's better <laughs> than fourth edition Dungeons and Dragons. It's World of Warcraft in a book. Yep. There were some good things. We'll do a we'll do a future podcast where I where I become a fourth edition apologist, okay? And I'll just explain why fourth edition was good. <laughs> Deal? Sure. Yeah. Let's he's, he's like he's like nobody's gonna nobody's gonna listen yeah. to that. No, they'll listen. We'll just get so much feedback about it just being complete and total garbage okay, content dude. that all feedback is good feedback, right? Yeah. I think um, my first session was also with you, and that was like five years ago. And I remember uh, there was like a dragon or something, and I was a half orc, and I asked, I was like, "Can I can I try and ride the dragon?" And you're like. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> and then I did it. Yep. And then he flew up and bucked me off, and I died. And I was like, "Still cool." I think you got some shot and shots in on him too, because you were like standing on his head. Yep. That Ever- was fucking so- awesome. If it's your first D and D session and you have a chance to try to ride a dragon and you don't do it, like you'll never forgive yourself. I know. De- death or no death, right? <laughs> yeah. You got to do that because, like, what video game's gonna let you do that? No. Nope. Exactly. I mean, I I definitely think that one of the uh, one of the biggest proponents of playing a tabletop role-playing game rather than just like playing a video game or whatever is you're in a world with where you're not limited by the creativity of the makers of the game. Yeah. You can literally do, you can literally attempt to do whatever you, whatever comes to your mind and, uh, sometimes uh, that's just going to straight up result in death. Yeah. Sometimes it's going to result in uh, your parents dying. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sometimes uh, uh, it's going to work out really well, and it's going to be a story that you tell for years to come. Yeah. Um, but tabletop role-playing games is... Uh, it's one of those hobbies that uh, has been near and dear to my heart for the better part of a decade now. Uh probably more than that close to that i don't know what year that first campaign i I don't remember either it was a long time ago it was it was like 2011 or 2012 yeah um but some interesting stuff so uh so 
if you're unfamiliar with kind of the layout of what a tabletop role playing game looks like, uh, essentially, uh, essentially, you are given a set of rules which come in a player's handbook of sorts, um, and those set of rules usually uh, dictate that you have some dice and uh, you're put in this situation where you want to try to attempt some things. Uh, when you try to attempt these things, generally you roll dice, and uh, then there is a separate player um, in the group uh, known as the Dungeon Master or the Game Master uh, who essentially acts as the world uh, around the individual player characters that the rest of the players are playing. Um, and And your job is to beat that that world into the ground and conquer it yeah you're you're supposed to go around and murder everything you everything. come into contact with, everything right? yeah. uh everything. which is where the term murder hobo comes from yeah. murder hobos are the best players right let's ask alex alex fuck yeah <laughs> <laughs> um i mean uh, a, a one of the more uh archetypical uh, styles of Dungeons and Dragons is uh, you're an adventuring party. Uh, you guys uh, don't really... You're off in the world uh, traveling from town to town, hence the hobo. And when you are met with... Um, any sort and, of opposition uh, at any all. Sort, exactly. Any sort of opposition, you kill it. Yep. Know, which is where Murder Hobo comes from. But uh, the game is so much more than that. I think that's the first year that you play the game. Sure. Definitely. And I think that that's fine. Because I think that there's an aspect of it that's just like if you identifying any long running play group or what we have now, which is kind of like ex ex extended play groups that formed out of a nucleus. I think a lot of that comes from like spending a lot of that first time not really learning how to be better at the game, but just learning to be like comfortable around each other, which is really what makes D&D &D like the hobby is it requires a lot of trust i mean there's a there's a big part of it where you are role playing uh you you're not yourself even though a lot of the times your first characters are basically yourself um and which is fine yeah i mean it, it totally facilitates i i like acting and role playing and i stuff have like that. i have players who i think are just like the best players in the world and uh most of them still have one or two personality aspects that are just in every single one of their characters, you know. Your characters are always sarcastic. There's nothing you can do about it. <laughs> you just can't change that. I'm, I'm sorry. Know? Your characters are always murder hobos. Yeah. Chaotic murder yeah, hobos. I haven't, I haven't run you in a game in a long time, though. So. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like my play style is evened out. Like, my characters have grown in I've complexity heard. as I've time heard. has gone on. Aravan at the very beginning was kind of quiet, and that's just because I was uncomfortable role playing. But yeah. he was also just unbalanced. That was really fun. <laughs> the main re reason why it's it's good as a DM and as a play group to like help direct players out of like that like straight up like murder hobo like not thinking about anything isn't that it's not fun to occasionally watch the murder hobo go off. It's that it's detrimental to like the party as a whole. And that's where the whole trust thing comes in. It's like, you don't really become a good D and D player until you like learn to understand that. Like it's a, sh it's a completely shared experience. So if you're, yeah. if you're thinking about yourself more than anybody else, then you're, you're kind of a douche. harming the game. Yeah. I mean, so, yeah, you're just kind of a douche, especially in like play groups like ours where pretty much everyone's role playing in first person and stuff. So, 
which are just in and of themselves. And that's just an intimidating experience. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, I understand why people that watch our groups play and we have very, very experienced groups. I understand why people would be intimidated uh, by, like, the idea of getting into one of those groups or playing in a game with the players in those groups because uh, we have a lot of uh, we have a lot of experience. Um, the, the rule books are not short; they're at least hundred and fifty pages each, right? Yeah, they're fat as fuck. Yeah, and uh, like there's multiple of them. There for. Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition, which is... I own, the, like, 30 books. Yeah. Uh, which Damn. is the current I, version I of... Every first party book. Yeah. Uh, which is the current version of Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, there's your original player's handbook. Uh, there's the uh, Dungeon Master's Guide. There's the uh, Monster Manual. I think there's a second Monster Manual out. Or- uh yeah, basically. They release monsters with, like, everything, pretty much. So right. you're just constantly getting new monsters. Yeah, and so... Uh, and there's, like, all these different, uh, like, expansion, like, modules uh, for, like, actual game modules that you would play. Uh, there's just, like, extra uh, extra information books. Uh, and this is all just for the tabletop role-playing game of Dungeons & Dragons. And there's a lot of different tabletop role-playing games. Yeah, there's a ton, and um, a lot of them have traction now because the hobby is somehow magically still on an upswing. It is on. uh, Now, why do you say uh, somehow still on an upswing? Because we've seen we've seen like. So what year did D&D 5e come out? 2014? Something like that. And and I remember because in 2013, I was one of the the playtesters so i had all the docs for us and that's why we played early right. and it was um, called D next at yeah the time. it was called D next at the time and um uh i'm having a moment copyrights 2014 2014 hey called it um where was i going with this help me on alex uh you were talking about <laughs> some shit about Oh, uh, the upswing, yeah. Yeah, 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 and and that started the upswing and you know when <laughs> you've been in the tabletop community as long as i have um you uh it's kind of like being it's kind of like being a, a padres fan you know there's there'll be a year or two where things go really well magically <laughs> somehow but it, it never lasts long it's it's uh it's a it, it's it's an interesting experience and i think part of it is because in some ways um people are well obviously through like twitch people are discovering what tabletop has to offer okay because you're not seeing six weirdos in a dark corner at a table in the back of a shop anymore. And now you're seeing professional voice actors that voiced your favorite anime character yeah, playing fucking... online. And, you know, like some of these people are like uh, um, big shout out to, to B Dave Walters. I'm a big fan of that guy. And he's like, he's playing like multiple games a day and he's basically making a living off running and playing multiple games a day of tabletop role playing games and designing them. And he's marketing that. So, just Twitch is keeping it alive more than anything. I think D&D 5e definitely deserves credit for remaking the industry, though, because if 5e had come out like 4th edition and failed, then there might not even be tabletop RPGs right now. I mean, 5e is basically the uh, uh, kind of the the standard for the moment. Yeah, right? I, I agree. Yeah, 
Yeah. I think anybody who's designing a tabletop system is paying attention to what 5e is doing. But they're right now, you know, they're also paying attention to a lot of mistakes because Watsy's coming under a lot of fire for a lot of different things. He says Watsy like we should know what that is. Wizards of the Coast. Oh. Wizards of the Coast is the... uh, Company that... Publisher uh, of Dungeons and Dragons. Publishes Dungeons and Dragons and Magic the Gathering, which I don't know if you guys have heard, but one of the upcoming Magic the Gathering sets is a a D&D set. Like, Like it's Forgotten Realms. Very interesting. Cool. Like... It's Adventures in Dungeons and Dragons, Forgotten Realms, or something like that. We haven't, uh, we haven't ha- recorded our uh, Magic the Gathering episode. All right, we'll stop yet. talking about magic. <laughs> Cross promoting, it's happening. So things are only getting bigger, which is kind of crazy. Yeah, it's definitely gaining mainstream traction, yeah. especially with like Stranger Things. Like, oh yeah, after that came out, like I've been seeing like more chicks on Tinder, like saying like I play D and D, and I'm like, haha, me too. <laughs> I mean, like even I don't know, it's just really cool because. I think it's a wonderful creative outlet. Like, I agree. You can stick to the rules or you don't have to stick to the rules. Like, It provides such a good foundation that, uh, I mean, you know, your creativity is the limit, really. That's a really good transition into, um, uh, into not every game is the same. Not every table is the same. Yeah. Agreed. Um, so one of the, because like, Every game is different. Your, your dungeon master is different than another dungeon master. Uh, their their canon is going to be slightly different than uh, than someone else's canon. Mm. Um, what we mean by that is the uh, what is the truth in that setting. Um, and, uh, each, uh, each DM is going to run their game slightly differently, right? That some, some, some DMs are rules light. Some DMs are rules heavy. Uh, some DMs are prep light. Some DMs are prep heavy. Um, and it all affects the way that the uh, game plays out. Um, so before we go further into the kinds of play, the kinds of games that we play in and the games that we like to play in, uh, for those that are somewhat interested in what the hell tabletop is uh, let's talk about how you get into it yeah uh, what are yeah, some what so are some different what, okay so if somebody was broke how would you recommend they get into it like you got youtube channels reddit pages yeah some something like that um you really don't need money to get into in most any of them anymore um because almost every tabletop offers some kind of free documentation to get you started dnd 5e i think offers you like four or five classes and 10 i'm gonna call them species because i'm not gonna call them races uh but you know whatever there um whatever you want to call them um they're changing them now um and uh D&D is a great outlet. Um, Something to consider, too, is it's a very shared network. Um, So honestly, like looking for group on Reddit for basically any any tabletop RPG system you find that you want to play will get you there. There's also Discord servers now, which are just like they're just like incredible ways to get connected with communities very quickly and get games and stuff. Um, It only really the only thing that's really stopping you is is research and an Internet connection at this point yeah um i have a couple of buddies that moved off 
you know, out of San Diego. And like one of the ways that we're going to stay in touch is doing like roll 20 and stuff like that. Nice. Having, awesome. Like, uh, but our play style is going to be more like an anthology. Like we're going to okay. rotate. Sure, sure. Like, yeah. like if you want to have like a long campaign when it's your day to be the DM, mm-hmm. you can continue your story if you want. But when it's my turn, I get to do whatever the fuck I want. So that way everybody gets time to like feed the DM. Yeah. People get more time to like make characters and stuff like that. Yeah. And things like that, just to get more reps under your belt so you can comprehend it a little bit better. I think that's I, a really good way to run a group. Yeah. Corey was talking earlier about like the different styles of tables and shit like that, like rules light, prep light, and stuff like that. And that's like, I've only hosted a couple of one shots, but like generally they're really prep light and rules light. And that's also because of like my comprehension of the rules. And also, like, I want to yeah. change things if I want to be able to change things. Like, yeah, definitely. And, like, I think it's super fun because, like, if I'm rolling on, like, the random encounters table and I can, like, string together a bunch of reasons why these things happen. And then, like, because, like, if I don't know what I'm going to do, the players and the characters have no idea what the fuck is going to happen. And, like, that exploration is kind of, like, where I get off. Like, I think it's really, really entertaining just to, like, watch these different characters, like, experience something. And, like, you can't predict what the fuck is going to happen next because like i'm not making it up like it's just going to happen i think it's a lot of fun yeah i think there's a lot of uh i think like figuring out uh there there's a meme about the forever dm right and i think uh i think our group was really lucky in that we uh, that our forever dm was matt and then uh other people got interested in becoming the dungeon master. Um, and uh, as far as a, as far as like figuring out uh, who your forever DM is going to be or uh, giving people an opportunity to like run a game uh, without feeling overwhelmed by the commitment of like running an overarching campaign, uh, like doing an, an anthology series sounds like a really good way to, uh, figure that kind of thing out uh, figure out okay m- maybe maybe i'm more inclined to be a player than a dm mm-hmm. maybe i'm more inclined to be a d okay uh, our buddy's here and hrothgar is losing his shit we're gonna pause it and we'll be right back and we're back um for for those of you that uh, are listening that was just a moment but uh, we took a couple minute break uh, and we're ready to t- continue talking about uh, figuring out uh, what role you're going to settle in uh, at the table. Um, so, uh, yeah, the anthology series is a great way to figure out. Um, we did that. Di- yeah, we we did a we did a, a kind of a, a from from the very beginning of our first game in our first campaign my ulterior motive was always to find the players that could make their own groups and encourage them to DM because that's how you build a good D and D community. We wouldn't have six games running with interlacing players right now. If that hadn't been the forefront of the whole thing. And like you were the first person who I was like, I was like, okay, Corey's going to be a DM someday. It's yeah. Gonna, it's going to happen. And you know, and I he think, knows how to read. And I think the thing that's hard for DMS is, is understanding that a lot of times that means you're going to lose them as a player because of scheduling, especially as you get older. Like we're all like in our late twenties and thirty now, and uh, and scheduling Happy scheduling around D and D just gets more and more difficult. And uh, 
Yeah, that's uh, the, I mean, scheduling for D&D is is not easy. And I actually think that the scheduling aspect is the biggest reason why playgroups fail. Um, and uh, that's because generally a, 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 D and, a game of D&D uh, is going to take somewhere between an hour and five hours uh, on a day or evening. And uh, if you want to run a campaign, it needs to be consistent. Right. Um, And uh, if you're playing and playing or DMing in multiple games, then all of a sudden uh, you're blocking off multiple nights uh, of the week and not everybody has time to do that. Yeah, I will say, though, I will say, though, I got incredibly lucky because all my players that became DMs stayed with me. So now I'm the lucky DM that gets all the best DMs as their players. (laughs) And I've secretly just won the lottery, which is my favorite thing about our D&D community. Everyone's always like watching the videos for our campaign and then like hitting me up and asking me questions about things. And I'm always like, I don't know. I just, I I have all the best players. Don't compare yourself (laughs) to this campaign. Like I'm the lucky one. I just let them figure shit out. And (laughs) Uh, there's a, as far as like jumping in and like becoming a new DM and like starting that journey, uh, we're, we're going to bring it up again because it's that thing that we say in every single fucking podcast. Uh, you're going to smash your face against the wall until uh, until you kind of start figuring it out. Um, Honestly, that might be its own podcast. <laughs> but I will say for now, I'll say start with a town. Don't build anything larger than a town for your first session. Oh, yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit about... Let's talk a little bit about the transition that I had from... Uh, from being a player in a 5e campaign uh, to my first night DMing. Um, my first, uh, so we had this regular Sunday night campaign where I think one. we started at like six or uh, like five or six in the evening. Yeah. And Usually we went, went till about 10 because I wasn't as tight a DM then. Right. And uh, so we finished up that. Uh, we finished up that session and uh, Matt, and myself and our buddy Ian, uh, somehow four hours of Dungeons and Dragons wasn't enough that night. <laughs> so uh, we were just so hyped. Something big happened. You guys beat like a boss or something. We were like really hyped after that session. Yeah, and uh, we had dabbled in this uh, system called Star Wars: Edge of the Empire, um, which has a really interesting dice system and. Uh, is really good for playing a, a game that is all about it's like, good, it's good non-force you, oriented characters. It's, it's really good if you want to create a story like The Mandalorian. Right. Um, somehow we decided that we didn't want to do that. Yeah, uh, I don't and, know what we were thinking. We should have just played that, <laughs> that that Star Wars Saga Edition right game. And uh, we decided that we wanted to uh, play a quick. Uh, quick one shot of uh like these um basically force oriented characters before he goes any further i want to point out that what he's about to describe is my favorite campaign as a player that i've ever played in well and this was his first session that he's ever run and it ended up becoming that for me so and i as a guy who doesn't get to play him any campaigns is a big deal so okay well i i thank you for the compliment um and uh so uh, I t- I think we took about a half an hour break. Uh, I sat down, I stared at the book, and I tried to come up with uh, 
a basic premise for this what was uh, what was intended to be a one shot uh that's actually a that's actually a piece of jargon that we've brought up several times that I feel like I should explain. Uh, a one shot uh, in the tabletop community is known as uh, basically a uh, a session that is intended to not be played more than once, right? So you so you make a game and you don't expect that there's ever going to be a second session having to do with any of those characters. Um, and so we set up and uh we played uh and somehow uh that session started at like 11 or midnight yeah and like 11 30 at night yeah and uh we stopped playing at like five or six in the morning yeah it was pretty intense i remember my my ex-girlfriend waking up to go to work and being like what the fuck are you guys doing <laughs> go to bed you're adults it's really <laughs> funny um and yeah uh it the, the reason why i decided to uh, that i decided to jump into dming that night was literally just a little bit of encouragement from matt and ian uh saying hey um, you know star wars like the back of your hand exactly just run star wars just run star wars and I tell so people do all the time so I, just run what you know run what you know and if you don't know D D, but you know some crazy anime series go look for a tabletop rpg that simulates animes some of them do it pretty well, actually. There's there's literally tabletop RPGs that are like anime systems that are designed oh, cool. around anime conventions. So everything yeah. is possible. Yeah. Um, and I just kind of jumped into it, and I ran that uh, I ran that Edge of the Empire campaign for a while, and we uh, made up some uh, extra rules for that tabletop system, some homebrew things. Um, and then eventually I transitioned into becoming a 5e, uh, running a 5e campaign, uh, with, uh, our buddy James. It was, it started off with James and Matt. Yeah. It started off with me and James. We're the original Ronira characters. It wasn't called Ronira then though, I don't think. No, uh, it started off, uh, and, and it's funny because, uh, Matt, you brought up the fact that you should start off with a single town. Yeah. You should start off with a single town. And I did not do that. You, you didn't. Start I, did, I did not fucking do that. It's okay I, to not do that with a one shot. But when you're if you're a new DM starting their first like what's supposed to be long running campaign, I always just say build a town, build everything you can think of that would be in the town and a f- write down a few ideas for what would be outside of the town. And yep. then go from there because you because really you just want to build a sandbox. So. Yeah, I had uh, 20 different like names of different species i had a bunch yeah. of different names for different orders i had different like building names and it's just like if they walked into a bar like it doesn't matter like i i was there was like I, my tempo never fucked up because i always had a name for something yeah so it was just like we walk into a town it's like all right well what do you i want would argue to? that that's not un- as unprepared as you're making yourself out to be though that is yeah well i mean like i just i had like an ass load of names and that was about it and like, cause that just helps me with tempo. Cause like build, I have, you should I've build rode. a DM binder, bro. All DMs should have a DM binder. Yeah. I just have a, I just had a big fucking list of names, but yeah, I guess that counts as prep, but there was no fucking story. hundred percent. I'll send you a link to my DM resources, Google docs. Okay. It'll literally fill you with like a DM binder. So you just have, yeah, all fuck that, it. All That's that awesome. One of the I already made that, it. One of the things that Alex talks about a lot is, uh, uh, there are these uh, tables that often come with, uh, uh, and I'm not talking about like tables that you would play a game on or something. We're talking about like 
talking about like Charts. a like, like a chart, like a like a Excel doc that has Remember those uh, middle school like history books where it'd be like C figure yeah ck and you'd like go down to the corner yeah right and uh essentially it's a, a list of things and each item in that list is associated with a dice roll and in order to figure out what the fuck is going on you're just like well i'm gonna roll a dice and uh and uh it lands on this so you're like oh uh a a, a bird flies into the room and uh that's that's an idea uh, that's a uh something that alex has uh been fascinated with i fucking uh, love it (laughs) which is great which is great um again probably its own podcast the dichotomy between the way that you want to run a game and the way that i run a game i honestly think my 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 players are legitimately surprised every time i'm like roll a die and they realize it's a random encounter because i like never use them ever oh fucking totally polar opposite like i don't know great like i I think it's entertaining i've actually been prepping some to use recently um but i do not use them very often i'm usually i usually i usually let my players like dictate where the story is going my players write very intense backstories so they have a lot of things they want to do and um unless something would otherwise happen like or they they do something to change course i i'm I'm, i generally like fairly hard time jump my campaigns to like where they want to get to and let them like focus on the story elements they want to yeah i definitely enjoy it when like i'll have a player that has a background story that is kind of fleshed out Mm -hmm. it makes the it makes the it makes the story easier to bounce around and shit like that because creating backstories is a skill though so like when you have new players like you have it's going to be like it's going to be like every player's Batman the first time they make a character. Yeah. Like both their parents died in an alley and they hate criminals, you know? Yeah. And then Which like is totally over fine, time, you know, they... half the entertainment for me would be to turn them into a criminal for some reason. Yeah. Well, that's terrifying. Yeah. It's just like put them in a situation where like. You should run a game in Call of Cthulhu. That would be a great system for you. What is Call of Cthulhu? It's a it's a it's a system that includes a health score and a sanity score, and it allows you to drive your players. Oh, yeah, I definitely I normally like invent some sort of like sanity thing because like. Well, if you want one for 5e, I've already got rules for it. Yeah, fuck it. I'm down like that shit. I also really like that aspect of like character progression where it's just like, oh, yeah, you encountered some horrific monster and like barely skated by your character is affected by that forever. Like, that's fun. I think I think there's a re- there's a rules light way to do that and a rules heavy way to do that. Um, yeah. I think like actually having like a having like a score associated with it, something on your character sheet, uh, like game mechanics built into the game mm-hmm. is a really interesting way to force those kinds of things to happen. But I would argue that as you get more and more experienced players, um, those kinds of experiences, the effects that their experiences have on the characters just naturally show up in the character's development yeah. because the player recognizes, okay, even though this doesn't show up on my on my character sheet, this shit affected my character, and I'm going to play my character like he's affected. Yeah. I think that that's fine, but I think that if you want to cause like any kind of detrimental change or anything to a player, you have to have a hard mechanic to like as the DM behind the screen, you have to have a hard mechanic that like bridges the gap of trust to your players, no matter how much trust you think you've built. Yeah. So like if you were going to like, if you, if you, if, if, if you wanted what was going on to push the player's character into an area that like they would, they would not choose to act on their own. There has to be, 
you, you just have to put something in there. You should never assume your players are just going to like trust you. And you should, you should also never, you should, you should, you should also never like take control of a player's character and like do anything with them without having the mechanics like out in the open first, showing them this is how that control is taking place. Cause it's like a, it's like a serious, like I, one of the things I, I dislike more than anything is like when I hear a DM tell me like how my player's feeling about a situation instead of describing the situation and letting me determine how my ca- my character's feeling about it. Yeah. Which is why like you need the, me- I feel like you need the mechanics to be there to get to like what he's talking about. Yeah. Normally like, like the way I comprehended it, it was like if you go through a horrible situation that has to do with like wood elves or something like that, like really, <laughs> really horrible situation. I feel like the some next time like, you're uh, in racist like... shit against wood elves is about to come out. <laughs> wood elves in my fantasy world are cannibals so that's oh, totally that's cool did you get that from like divinity original sin no no that right. that's a really cool fucking game i, mean, I like, played this i played the second one that's a fun ass game yeah. um but it was just like if you went through a horrible situation that had to do with wood elves the next time you have a conversation with like a wood elf like the party would probably not want you to talk to them yeah. because like you would have to like roll whichever characteristic i want you to like roll and like you'd have to roll and like if you fail it your dude would like either like shut down like they become like really shy or timid or like they would get really fucking angry and like could escalate the situation and so it's just like the party would have to like i wouldn't talk even, to each other about stuff like that i wouldn't even base that off one role though like, i mean like, like i would i would i would i would i wouldn't feel right not letting that build build to a point over time yeah i mean like because... maybe the to pass it it would get like higher and higher yeah, I mean, that's like, great. Starting at a DC of five and adding a plus two every time something gets more difficult is a great way to just yeah, totally exactly. mess with and your Because like, I wouldn't want to set it to like, yeah, you're having a normal conversation and the DC is like 15 and then like, that's a hard ass roll. And like, then it's just like, it takes away the autonomy of the player like you were saying. Like, that's not what I want to do. I just want the party and the and the player to understand that like, there are things that you should be aware of. I am totally okay with tricking players into thinking you're taking their autonomy away. That's hilarious. Oh, I that I'm like okay whenever with. I like I've only done two one shots and like I normally like told them at the beginning I was like I'm gonna kill them like I'm gonna try and kill you guys and I've, like I've, I like I've, I never killed them like I just like put the fear of God in them so that way they act like realistically because it's like yeah it's unforgiving but re- but really it's just like there's there's moments there's moments in my campaigns where if I th- if I think my if I legitimately think by the way, my players are acting like in and out of game that they're not taking whatever threat they're going up against seriously enough. I'll, I'll maybe be having a conversation with one of them and be, be like, Hey, just to let you know, check like, like, like this next combat could definitely like kill you guys. If you don't like yeah. focus. Like, yeah. That's what I try to like, cause like my, my one shots, they're so short. And so it's just like, I don't want them to just like murder hobo away. It's just like, if, I mean like if you want to murder hobo, that's cool, but you can die. My, my last campaign was six players, each playing two characters, and they controlled both of their characters in the final boss fight. And I they were all level 20 with all custom stuff, making them much stronger than a normal level 20 character. And I think I still killed four of them before the <laughs> fight was over. So you can do it. The DM has the power. Kill him. Kill yeah, him. no. Just kill him. So anyways, fun. Yeah, if you're going to take one thing about tabletop RPGs away from this podcast, it's that as the DM, your job is to kill your players. Yeah. <laughs> it's all about uh, it's all about making sure that your players understand that they're not your friends. Yeah. Uh, you are the antagonist. They're showing uh, up each week for your amusement. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Uh, you are God. <laughs> <laughs>
and it's your Ooh, choice to be a benevolent god or a malevolent god. Um, never malevolent. You said ever malevolent? Ever, ever malevolent, yes. Okay. Let's finish talking about um, your the building of a new group, right? Um, because this is definitely going to be a, a, a recurring session or a recurring we're talking about D&D, guys. I'm talking about sessions. This is going to be a, 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 a recurring um, podcast where we talk about uh, tabletop and specific topics within. Uh, Frothgar is... Uh, being a uh, dog. Being a dog and trying to l- let us know that he wants to be on the podcast. Um, but... Dogcast. Let's, uh, let's, talk about, let's talk about building a group and finding your DM and... Uh, how that starts and how that starts because we've talked about it starts with one one person either player or dm standing up and staring at all their friends and going i want to play D," which was Corey. <laughs> that's how it starts and then someone says okay i have some experience I'll i DM. guess i'll run this one yeah i know how to read eight years later yeah i guess i'll run this one too <laughs> and then uh, you decide, do you want to play in person uh, or do you want to play online? And that's an option that we didn't used to have. Yeah, we we were just playing in person for a long time. There's a lot of great online options. COVID is obviously a thing. There should probably be a second separate podcast about, as a DM, how to DM online because it's not as easy as in person, but it's definitely achievable at just as high a level of play. Definitely. Uh, it's not a uh, that is not a journey I have embarked upon yet. It's a difficult transition. Now I don't know what to do when I'm at a table. Yeah. So there you go. That's life. So roll 20 is a great option for that. There's a lot of good options you should explore before committing. There's roll 20 astral games, astral tabletop. There's a tabletop simulator on Steam if everyone's got a good enough computer. There's a lot of good options and you should explore all of them because once you start your campaign and you put all that time and work into like getting the assets into your online tabletop, switching is is a challenge. What do you need if you're playing at a table? What do you need if you're playing at a table? Um, dice. And private notes. Private notes, yeah. Um, cardboard that can be cut into a screen for the DM. No, a DM screen is basically just a little, like a... a a wall that you put up between the DM and the uh, and the players so that you can uh, roll things behind the screen and not uh, even a necessity. Some groups roll everything in the open. Yeah, which is totally fine. I I mostly use a DM screen in person to cover my notes. Yeah, so so, um, I recommend having probably two to seven players at the most. Okay, um, and I recommend having as many of those those people if it's a first time group be friends on as close a personal level as possible that are also interested never ever be like it's cool have your boyfriend or girlfriend play when they're clearly not interested at all always tell that person hey it's great you want to include your significant other if they're not interested at all it's always a detriment to the game there you go easy rule don't drag anybody there kicking or screaming only bring willing people because kicking and screaming people ruin games. It's not their fault. It's very hard to commit to four hours. Something you don't want to do. This is true. Um, 
especially when like playing D and D, a lot of times kind of feels like you're sitting there in a vacuum, and uh, you, you if if you're not buying in as much as possible, uh, it's real easy to check out, especially yeah. sitting there with uh, phones and all of that kind of thing. There are a million distractions, even when you're not doing specifically doing something else. Yeah. That's easy. If you have somebody who's got a phone out way too often, just start telling them you took too long with your turn and skipping it. They'll stop checking their phone all the time. Or they'll stop playing. Either yeah, way, I mean, either way, your problem's solved. If you're fucking deciding that you want to play D&D, like, do D&D. Like, if yeah. you need to go make a phone call, like, yeah, whatever. Like, that's fucking fine. But it's just like, if you're watching YouTube and dicking around, it's like... Also, as the DM, over time, you'll build a reputation for yourself, and those kind of people won't want to mess with your table. Like, I don't think anybody would bring somebody to my table who's not going to bring it because they've played with everybody who's played with me has played with me so long. They know that I've put in X, Y, and Z amount of effort, and they're not going to like bring somebody who's just going to like totally wreck that. So, yeah. You know. um, I think there's a, a great topic for the future is just like, like deep delving into being a DM, being a GM and uh what that means as far as like your responsibilities to the group uh as well as like your responsibilities at the table that aren't like outlined by the rules of the uh, that aren't outlined by like the the player's handbook or like the rules of the game because there's a lot of yeah uh there's a lot of like real life leadership aspects of being a dm that is uh not something that a lot of people like handle well yeah uh going back to the main topic along with choosing that close group of friends don't be worried about differing play styles it's actually good to have a mix of different types of players at the table like each one of my players has like at this point has like a fairly specific strength so they all balance each other out really well weston min maxes and make sure the party lives <laughs> chris min maxes and make sure the party lives they're both really good at that um, nick is always in character no matter what which is awesome you always want one player who thinks he's jared leto james <laughs> james is always paying attention he's the only person in the game who always pays attention which is like <laughs> super necessary like he can go an hour without talking and his character isn't doing anything but he still knows what's going on you know so everybody needs a snit there you need you need a mix of strengths what does Shane do? <sighs> Shane, uh, Shane, Shane's characters stare up at the sky and shake their fist at God. And you always need one player that's willing to do that all the time. Shane is also really good at locking into his character yeah. and like in, in a similar fashion to Nick. Yeah, and Shane always plays the character that's the heart of the party, though. You know, like 30 minutes into the first episode of our campaign, if you watch it, James is like, okay, we can't let Flair die. Flair <laughs> can't die. Nobody let Flair die. <laughs> so. <laughs> what does Ian do? What does Ian do? Um, Ian is Ian is Ian is really good at paying attention to my NPCs and never trusting me, um, which is frustrating. But they need somebody who can do that because um, good you know. principles, too. Like he's generally yeah. good at sticking to his alignment. He almost always he almost always he almost always rolls the character that's going to like let the party know when there is a hole doing something that that isn't good and they should stop doing. And then the party goes fine. He's the bleeding yeah. heart. Yeah, he's yeah. the bleeding heart. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, who else am I missing from that Thursday night group? You. You now. You're a new player. Corey has a beard. 
I don't Jesse Jesse <laughs> inf, Jesse isn't in my campaign and he infuriates me. Jesse all is, the time. That's what he does. Jesse is a wonderful player. Uh, people complain about Jesse because he chooses to make those characters that are just like broken as shit. Um, but I mean, Weston and Christy that too. This is true. Um, but uh, Jesse has really come into his own right as like a role player. He always comes to me with these character ideas that yeah. are like really well integrated into like the 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 world and Jesse's always trying to solve playing problems is like incredible at this point there, yeah. there was a there was a point where he was basically silent and uh didn't say much and then he started making these characters with this uh, absolutely incredible amount of like personality and now whenever jesse says anything you're just like yes that's why the thursday group is so good everyone's just so has is like in their role-playing peak everyone just like knows how to role play and loves doing it like even our two min maxers you know like weston is like a heavy rpr his character is always talking it's great and chris is like the silent but deadly guy who doesn't talk for an hour and 45 minutes and then his character says one line everybody's like yeah that's the line that was the line we were waiting for he doesn't need to talk the rest of the session you know it's just what he does it's what he does on all of it did on all of his character uh, does on all of his characters as far as my group goes because jesse's a player in in my group on tuesdays yeah um so and i I don't have the pleasure of having jesse anymore yeah but it's okay because i've got weston and chris and i couldn't handle a third Um, we didn't get to you what do you do as a player on thursdays you're the last person what do you do um i think i i think that one of my best qualities as a role player is my improv and i just kind of i i try to get a feel for what my character is feeling and uh, i feel like i'm really good at expressing how my character is feeling in the situation i agree I think the character that you're playing on Thursdays is like the most different character that I've ever had you play out of all the characters you've rolled up in one of my campaigns. Interesting. Like, for a long time, you were the bard guy. I, I do like me. Ray Vizier was kind of like the 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 soldiery character, but this this character is very unique. I like this character a lot. I also think you're still getting your footing in the party, which is fine. Oh yeah, because going into my my game is that's like walking into a game with a bunch of people that have been playing weekly without missing a beat for like five years. So. Yeah, so like, I mean, it's de- I'm definitely uh, relatively new to that campaign, and my character is relatively new, so uh, I don't have my stake in the party is getting invested into the party, which means that I'm going along for the ride. Um, for what other people have been waiting their turn for, and um, what do you mean by waiting their turn for? What I mean is like as far as as far as like um, like people having their backstories delved into and that kind of thing. Like my character, it doesn't own the ship. My character doesn't really have any uh, hardly any personal possessions uh he has kind of shown up and and just like found a way to integrate himself into the group and he's kind of along for the ride at the moment yeah um which is just something that happens when you 
How's that make you feel as a player? Feeling like you're kind of like, do you feel like you're tagging along? Uh, as, just like the way that I am, uh, I I like playing the face. I like yeah. uh, being someone in the forefront of the conversation with NPCs. Um, I like having more of a say in like dictating where we're going, what we're doing. Um, and it's definitely a, but you can't be that person every campaign. This is true. Um, and, uh, this is definitely an exercise in, uh, not being the main character. Sure. Um, I like to think that everyone's equal amount character, but sometimes the story focuses on one player more than the other for a period of time. hundred percent. Um, that's why it's important to mix in with the backstory. It's important to mix in like progressive storylines where it's like things the entire party is working towards and not necessarily like the past coming back to haunt a specific person and that kind of thing. Yep. What would you say that my, uh, that my deal, uh, as a player is, um, you got a beard. I do have a beard. I think that you're, I think that you're, you're very adaptable. You can basically walk into any, any tabletop game and find a character that you're comfortable with enough to play at a level that everybody else is playing and just play that character. Um, and I think it's just cause you kind of have an explorative nature. So you don't really, you don't always have like a very strong opinion about what the game is going to be about. You're just interested in getting in the game with everybody and checking it out, which is good. Um, because you know, some people are like very specific about what they want the game to be about. So if everybody is like that, then the DM doesn't know what to do, you know? So, yep. I also think you're finding your footing. I think once your character understands their role better, it'll it'll change things. Because I mean, yeah, in that you've play, been a fucking DM play, for a long ass yeah. time too. Yeah. Well, yeah. Like I said, I'm lucky. I have like all the best DMs like are in my campaign. There's like two players in my campaign. There's only one player in my campaign who's never DM'd before, and there's only like two or three that don't actively run games every week and come to mine. Which is in and of itself intimidating, but yeah. I enjoy the challenge. Let's go around my table real quick. Yes. Um, so Alex just recently left my game, and I'm about was that. it Was it that bad? No, no. I fucking Dude, hey, I'm he doing told school. me it was garbage. Hey, hey, nobody's listening. You can be honest. <laughs> yeah, I fucking hated it. Yeah. <laughs> That's why <laughs> I stuck around for so many years. That's why I stopped playing at his table, too. <laughs> yeah, what's your fucking opinion on how I play? Generally, uh, my characters are either mute and alcoholic or unstable. Uh, Alex is the loose cannon. Yeah. Um, sure. I've, <laughs> defi- I've definitely heard him described as the loose cannon after sessions. <laughs> I've only played with you a few times. Yeah, so. I, I remember I was able to derail like our mission so hard. I was playing a gnome, and we went on like a totally fucking separate tangent for like the entire session, and then I died. I played a character named Domicus once, trust me. Yeah, Domicus ne- was cool. You'll never anger Corey as much as I did with Domicus. It'll be I okay. mean, because you were in the campaign, that was how I was like that's how my character got tied into it. Erevan was like a don't cleric out in the middle of the woods, and then Abelian yeah. was like, Come on, dummy, we got to protect this kid. And I was like, Well, you have a higher rank than me, so I, I love, guess. I love playing Domicus. That kid was a dumbass. It's great. I love I love how you're focusing in on Domicus when uh when uh, I, I literally the, the prompt DM'd is Mako Sean for you. So, uh, dude, well, Mako Sean is like, there's a whole there could be a whole whole podcast about how part of my heart died when I stopped playing Mako Sean. Yeah, 
He's the best. All right, let's keep going. Um, Your table. What's what's Alex gonna? Ale- Alex, is, Alex is the loose cannon. That's too. Um, that's too vague. Talk some shit. <laughs> uh, you you definitely. Um, uh, I hated playing with you. Whatever. It, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't really remember it that well. Yeah. You make decisions that uh, are definitely uh, questionable that maybe your character wouldn't make, but um, uh, I think part of that is just you weren't as experienced in like showing what your character was thinking and sharing, showing their motivations. Yeah. Um, and but I also do think that a lot of that is just like you playing you. Um, yeah. And. I also th- I also think that you see D and D is more of a party game, which isn't a problem. So yeah, a different way to play it. Like, yeah, I don't, I, I don't generally I don't generally hard commit to to a D and D game unless I know there's going to be some kind of story there because that's what I'm looking for out of it. Yeah, I definitely enjoy fucking around and exploring the universe and like. Which is fair. I mean, yeah. Grand Theft Auto games are super fun. Yep. Yep. Um, but that being said, you definitely had a lot of moments where, uh you really stepped into your shoes as a role player. Uh, you had, uh, <laughs> you're one of those players that can take, uh, a, a, an empty, uh, take an empty slate and lock in on one, uh, thing that had absolutely, uh, that I had absolutely no plans to go into, <laughs> uh, and be like, Nope, this is what we're doing this week. And which those is okay kinds of, sometimes. Yeah. Those, those kinds of tangents a lot of times can be really fun and uh, are definitely stories that people talk about. Especially if the DM's having problems with like pacing the party because the party's just like not going in any of the directions they expect. <laughs> yeah. It's good to have a player who's willing to like break up the monotony. The problem is, is when you do it every week and then your whole party hates you because they're never doing what they want to do. Yeah. That, uh, that to Fubless Cobble Belt, <laughs> that was so much fucking fun. Like I definitely talked to people about that. What, what was what was the Tefubless, uh cobble belt situation so that our listeners uh, can have some oh, background? Yeah. So I was. Uh, I don't remember the original character's name. I just remember Tefubless cobble belt was like an alias that I made for my character. It's pretty great. Um, and like I just remember we were walking into a city and I was like, I'm gonna derail today. And so I like went through a bunch of different names and then like came up with Tefubless Cobblebelt, which was awesome because like generally I use like a name generator and then like mix them up. Yeah, sure. For my character names. And uh we went to this restaurant and uh I lied to the Mater D and said that I was like I held like 30% of the stake in the company and it was like a five Michelin star restaurant and the maitre d' was just like, well, fuck, okay, my bad, like, here we go. And so we got like this giant ass table with a bunch of fancy food and like we're just eating and chowing down after like a long mission and then uh, the guy that actually owned the place walked up and started to talk to me and I continued to lie to him not knowing that he owned the place and uh, he's like, you guys need to get the fuck out. And I was like, cheese it! And we fucking... Bounce the fuck See, out. The question is, how did Corey determine that the guy who owned the place was there that day? He probably heard that somebody that heard like 30% of the state came there and he was like, what the fuck is this? Or he was like, man, I'm tired of Alex. <laughs> I'm going to have the guy that that owns the place walk up to him. <laughs> yep. Hey, that was fucking fun. And then we had a like the police chased us throughout the city. Uh, One of our characters. Fun. Yeah. One of our characters was like telekinetic and like that was just so much fun. It was cool to like. It was a cool experience for me because it was nice seeing the characters in situations that 
aren't strictly like story oriented yeah. or okay. like combat oriented. Yeah. We all had to use our spells and abilities like to get away. And, yeah, yeah, and like more of like a utilitarian way instead of just like we got to cross I this definitely, bridge. I definitely think you're messing up if it's just combat encounter after combat encounter. Yeah. Well, that was um, that was what I got from it. That shit was so much fun. That was, good, that was a really good. Experience. So, how do you balance out your loose cannon at your table? Kill him. <laughs> what about um, the rest of your players? Uh, the rest of my players. Uh, so I have Jesse, who's the min maxer and like the has these He's really the cool character solver. backstories. He is a problem solver. Uh, if uh, one of the things I do as a DM is I don't really I don't really look at what the tools that my players have. Uh, in order to solve problems that I throw at them, I just kind of throw problems at them and assume that uh, they either have the tools to get out of it or that they will come up with a tool to get out of it. That's what I did for years. Yeah, so. and, and consistently, uh, Jesse has a tool. Jesse has the tool that will get them out of the yeah. situation. That's what I did for... I did that for years. Now I, now I put more time into making sure the problem's aren't always like going to be solved by the same person and yeah. stuff like that. Like I put a lot of, I put a lot more focus into that, but, um, Brandon, uh, who is Brandon's our, great. uh, audio engineer, um, is, uh, he brings the love of the game. Yeah. He is, uh, he is one of the newer players at the table. He is one of the less experienced. I should say we've, we've um, spent the last gajillion years enticing him though. Right. Uh, he was actually involved in that uh, that original uh, that original campaign. But he played he fell an Avenger. Off. Yeah, he he fell off pretty pretty early. Yeah. Um, and, Time commitment issues. Yeah, and then we uh, finally convinced him to start playing again. Um, so I've been really enjoying watching Brandon develop as a player. Um, Brandon is uh, playing in multiple campaigns at the moment, and uh, he's constantly bouncing like character ideas off of me and that kind of thing. Um, and uh, it's while I can't necessarily say that I've like pegged him into or I, I've like figured out where he slots in as like like what he historically does at the table, he's constantly evolving at the moment. And those are some of the most fun players to watch uh matt he's playing in one of your campaigns at the moment what what would you say what, what would he you was say? he was he was my that campaign's on hiatus um but uh, i will say that i i definitely noticed how much more experienced he was um i also noticed how much more he loved it because he kind of started out like a murder hobo mm -hmm. <laughs> i remember <Fuck> <laughs> i remember back in the day uh, when I used to run him, he was kind of a murder hobo. It was always hard to get him to focus. He was always on his phone and stuff. And uh, for me as a DM running in person, that is like my biggest annoyance. I just I hate cell phones. And um, uh, he, I definitely noticed like he was just, you know, you can tell the time put in. You can tell the difference. You can tell the difference in players. You can tell the difference in DMs. So you, you can definitely, uh, you definitely notice that he locks in. Yeah. Um, which is good. There's yeah. no point in playing D and D if you can't lock in. Yeah, except to have fun. Um, Brandon, you're locked in. You're just locked into something else than everybody else at the table. <laughs> Brandon is uh, really good at. He's really, really interested in what's going on in the world. Yeah, that's um, another strength of Nick's. Yeah. Anytime I write lore for 
for my world my world and system and all that stuff nick always is like the first person who reads it and texts me feedback yep um continuing around my table uh ian often plays the uh, often plays the bleeding heart um he he's is also great at accents we should have brought that yeah up. ian yeah. is so good at he, accents. he's gotten a lot yeah he, he's definitely uh delved into some accents over the past uh, he's always been years. the accent natural to me like even back when we used to just do random one shots at my house like way back when we were younger he was always the one that was like i'm gonna try this accent yeah fuck it i mean that that adds a lot that it adds does. a lot to my experience I think that it's good to have, I think that it's good to, uh, I have a, I, I don't know if it's an unpopular opinion about this. I think it's good to have like a couple accents around the table, but I, I, I generally think that there, there can be, there can hit a point where like everyone's doing accents and it's really distracting. Sure. So, uh, definitely something that's a role playing, hur- no. that's a role playing hurdle for sure. Oh yeah. yeah. I'm terrible at accents. I focus on, I focus completely on tone cause I can't do accents at all. So I always try to. I always try to change the tone of the way I'm speaking so my players understand who they're talking to because I can't like accent- accentuate them very well. Yeah. Um, oh, Ian's uh, Ian's parents are always dead. Uh, are you keeping that going? Always. They took a they took a short rest before they went into a cave to try to save Ian's Ian's father from a werewolf. Yep. And uh, the werewolf killed his dad during the hour they were taking the short rest and then they they acted like i was the mean one i was like <laughs> you knew there was a werewolf in the cave with your dad and you sat outside for an hour to heal like i don't know what you want me to tell you i think your character died too mike yeah, that was that, your orc right that was that was my half orc paladin uh who was a killed uh, cory in the first session saloon yeah uh who's uh all about um I've killed a lot like anti-lycanthropy and um yeah that that was that was my archetype for a long time. I was uh, I was the player. I was the I played the characters that died for story reasons. Well, you asked me to kill your kill first Alistair, character because yeah. you just couldn't handle him anymore. I brought him back. He's pretty cool at the end. Yeah. Um, Alex was the next one in uh, uh, around my table, uh, and then I would like to say really quick. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you know this, but we ran that. I ran that campaign years before Critical Role, and Critical Role's first campaign ended up having a character who became after death a servant to the raven queen oh nice. i'm not kidding like literally the same plot line happened in critical role but we did it like two years earlier it was the strangest coincidence i remember <laughs> after we watched it ian and i were like talking for like hours about how crazy it was that that happened um and then sitting on my couch i have shane Shane, uh, I feel like I'm missing some. The boy. No, it, it, Shane is the next person, uh, and Shane plays. Shane's. Shane creates the most interesting characters. His his characters have like these like quirks that just like really draw you into whoever he's playing. Um, and he just locks in so well, and, which is why a lot of the times he becomes like the, his characters become the heart of the party, yeah. right? Um, his he he is the one that has these character builds that are just so 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 inefficient, but they do the one thing that he's trying to get the character to do. Cast and, magic missile. Ca- yeah, and. Uh, it makes for uh, really, really, really interesting and unique characters. Um, 
I mean, my campaign wouldn't exist without Shane because he helped me create all the lore and the system and all the homebrewed mechanics and stuff. So, yeah, I keep trying to He's convince Shane to uh, to further uh, further his um, like public persona and try and and like Do stream the like the character yeah. creation. I wanted and that to, kind of thing. I wanted to tie that into our system, but he wasn't ready to do it yet. Yeah, we'll talk one day, it. one day. Um, and that's everyone at my table. Uh, okay. Oh, wait. How many Nick, players do you have right now? Nick is playing in my. Uh, Nick, Nick is playing. Oh, in my good, table good, now good, as well. good, 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 good. Uh, so you've got six now. Five. Uh, five. Nick, think. Jesse, Brandon, Shane, 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 Ian. Ian. Five. Yeah. That's good. That's a tight. That's a good number. Yep. Uh, there my... was definitely a while where I was rest, where I was running Weston and yeah. Tyler. Uh, Tyler. And you had a bunch of people popping like in and guests out. and that kind of thing, and, which is good. Um, Tyler got better at tabletop while he was playing with you. He was he was he was a great player when he was playing on Sundays with me. Yeah, he was he was great. I actually, felt really bad. He misses playing. Yeah. Um. Eventually, a game will open up. Yeah. Not mine. <laughs> <laughs> I got a, um, I got a, I got too long a wait list. Yeah. Uh, see, I mean that's that that's really uh, that's one of the cooler things about the uh, about like the games that you and I run, Matt, is that we have people that are if we ever have an opening at our table, and very very rarely does that happen, we have a million people being like, "Can I play D and D?" Last foster the community. Yep. If you build it, they will come. Get other people to DM, and yeah. then other groups, and, and then other Shane's running a really good campaign. Up. This will probably get edited out of the podcast, but Shane is running a really, really good campaign. I played in it for three or four weeks, and it made me very sad to leave. It was one of the, it was one of the, the best campaigns I've ever played in as a player. I was like loving it, but my schedule, of course, got in the way. Sure, shit happens. Yeah, <sighs> it's the life. And Alex, you're not you're not currently playing in any like consistent. You're starting games that thing though. Yeah, buddies. we're gonna be starting it up soon. Yes. Um, you stream it after the nah, maybe I don't know. But um, everybody's streaming, dude. It'll Gage, be great. Like after the one shot we did, <laughs> and Gage fucked off to college. He actually started his own D and D group with nice. like a bunch of his At buddies. His college, in. yeah. Nice. D and D groups are like one of the best places to start a D and D group is out of college. I always yeah. tell people that like D and D in college, do it then, do it then. Yeah, and he was just like, "Yeah, dude, I really enjoyed it. Like, I actually took most of the world." <laughs> and I was like, "Hey, fuck it, <laughs> like." If it's fun and like if people enjoy the ride, like yeah. that's honestly what matters most to me is that everyone's having like a good time and like is. I reuse stuff all the time. Yeah, yep. I don't know. Like it's just important for me that like when you're done with a D and D session that you're just like, wow. Every one of my campaigns has the same character in it, but I redress them slightly yeah. because I just love playing that character. So yeah, I mean everyone's NPCs got their own shit. Are really fucking cool, yeah. huh? I mean, even recurring a, NPCs are really cool. I yeah. mean, even across cannons, though. Like, I used I Magnus Jack everywhere. in one of my uh, in one of my one shots. He got into a fist fight with a monk and then caught the monk's fist and then like drained his drained some of his blood and used it for a ritual that the player characters were trying to. Uh, That's terrifying. Stop. And uh, yeah, it was definitely one of those stories where it was just like the players thought they were the center of attention and that there was a shitload of danger. But if they succeeded, they would have been in more danger. And so by the end of it, like it completely subverted their expectations and they were just like, what the fuck? And I was like, yeah, <laughs> I'm not Shyamalan. Fucking uh, the what Midnight. the fuck factor is often the reason why you have Alex at the table. Yeah. Um, which that's, is that's why you read, awesome. that's why you read a lot of cosmic horror before you write your campaign. 
Yep. Um, keep it vague and keep it terrifying. Yeah, dude. Um, so this has been a really good uh, <laughs> intro to tabletop role playing games. And Hopefully. This is, yeah, and this is been, this is definitely going to be a topic that we're going to talk about a lot because it's one of our primary hobbies. Um, we're going to have Matt back on to uh, continue talking about this in the future. I'm sure we'll talk about it with other people as well. Once we get a fourth mic, uh, we might even have uh, other guests from always our play me. groups. Always, always me. me. Oh, what Every time are we? What time are we? We're at an hour and eleven minutes right now. Okay. Well, there's a couple more questions I want to ask Matt before we bounce. No, no more questions. Okay, that's fine. Okay, All right. go ahead and ask the questions. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, do you have any good YouTube channels to recommend to people? Oh man. I mean, like not not as far as like watching sessions, but as far as like getting better at sessions. Yeah. Sure. Like world um, building, character development. Sure, definitely. Nerd immersion is a really good one. Um, as far as reviewing books, you know what's some books are not made with the quality of others so if you're not a collector like me it's a good idea to thoroughly uh review books before you spend the 50 dollars on them when they come out of wizards of the coast you never know which books are going to have like the actual staff on them and which ones are going to have mostly freelancers is basically what i'm saying nothing against freelancers please go to dmsguild.com and support freelancers by buying their work it's very cheap and they work very hard on it but the quality changes and um so I recommend I would recommend Nerd Immersion for that. Um, man, there's so many good YouTube channels. I like don't even three. know where to begin. Um, Nerd Immersion. Don't is worry one about song. hitting too many of them right off, uh, right now too, because we are going to have you on for future episodes, yeah. and we can plug those ones at a later date. Mm-hmm. Um, I do I do recommend it's not the actual game but I do recommend watching Tox Machina because it's it's an it's an hour-long interview program where they have like one to two people involved on Critical Role on and they just talk about the game and it's it's good for people to it's good for people to watch who are interested in seeing different levels of investment mm-hmm. and then also I definitely if you're if you're looking for specifically D&D stuff I would subscribe to the D&D Beyond channel because they do fairly thorough bite-sized reviews of like everything that's coming out. Cool. Uh, what has D and D specifically, not like, not all role playing, sure. but like D and D specifically, like how what has that brought to your life? Oh man. <laughs> Creative outlet, personal exploration, things like that. <sighs> I mean, all of those things. I would, I would just, I would just, I would give the credit to tabletop role playing games as a whole, though, um, uh-huh. because D and D generally gets a little bit too much credit i would say just because it's kind of like the it's like the it's like the kleenex of tabletop rpgs but yeah definitely creative outlets um learning how to frame imagery um as far as writing screenplays um a lot of sequences that happen in kind of like theater of the mind or rule of cool settings within a DD game are generally how i map them out is how i have uh, a director of photography maps out um a movie to the, to the point that I'll literally storyboard them sometimes. Just yeah, that's so fucking I, cool. Just so I understand how the environment works. Yeah, can explain it's to cool. Like to make sure that everything like blends logically, or there's a certain emotional tone. It, you it's want also to how I found player. all of my lifelong best friends, which is that's when you know you've got the right D and D group is when you know that you're around all the people that you just want to be your family or whatever. Cool. Um, I mean that's all I got. Cool. I, like, is there anything else that you would like to add on to that? We could do a separate podcast that's just deep questions about D and D, and we can get into it. I can tell you all about like designing sessions to teach children 
how to do things without violence and stuff. I've written like whole sessions for school kids about. Oh, that's cool. Where like every challenge they come up against, they don't have any weapons to deal with, and they have to figure out how to deal with it. Yeah, and that kind of thing. Like D and D can be used for all kinds of stuff. It's oh yeah, it's used for dyslexia therapy. It's used for it's used for Asperger's therapy. All kinds of stuff. Interesting. It helps. uh, It's really good. It's really good to get um, to use social practice. Yeah, it's really good to use with kids who are socially like stunted and stuff who have issues with that. They can they can really come out of their shell through playing a D and D character. So for sure, it can it can really do everything. Yeah, I mean, like that's the utility I definitely see in it. As far as like, it can become introspection, oh, self-reflection. Yeah. You know, creating worlds helps with creativity. Like, uh, navigating awkward social situations. Yeah. Like, de- like I definitely see the utility in like, hey, problem solve without violence. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. So we've talked about a few places that you can get more information. Have you seen uh, the animated spell book? Yes. Thoughts? I like it. Yeah. A, I don't know if, I w- if I'm if i considered like an authority on on what's good or not good. I just know what I like to watch. I, I honestly don't watch a ton anymore. Um, I used to watch a lot. Now, the main thing I do to get better at DMing is I watch the previous session I ran before I run the next week's every week i mean self-review is uh one of the keys to improving at absolutely anything if you can record yourself doing uh anything any hobby any uh anything that you're trying to practice uh analyzing what you did well what you didn't do so well uh definitely uh is a great way to improve it's Mm -hmm. also easier to take notes when you're not running this running the session at the same time yeah highly recommend trying to do that yeah even mood tracking too huh because it's just like i kind of want to have this tone today and it's like well why sometimes i sometimes if i'm trying to create a specific tone and i know i've done it successfully before i'll go back and i'll watch like sessions from like last year where like i was creating that tone to try to like make sure i'm I'm remembering like what steps i need to take to like draw out that specific that emotional reaction yeah yeah that's cool Yeah. yeah um matt where can we find more of you oh Sure. Uh, we have a we have a Discord channel called Retro Game Retrograde Games Community. Um, it's very small, and uh, yeah, you can always go there if you're looking for games. And I do have a I do have a Twitter now. Um, it's at Mako Sean M A K O S H A N one one three eight. Okay. Cool. Um, so follow Matt at, uh, follow Matt on uh, Twitter. Uh, if you want access to uh, this retrograde games community, um, go ahead and send in. Uh, you can always try and search it yourself, or you can reach out uh, to the podcast, and yeah. we can direct you there. Um, direct to leadership. Yeah, there's an extensive review board. There's not. We just we just vet you to make sure you're not an awful human being. Yeah, and then we let you. No in. murder hobos. No murder hobos. Alex, no invite. Sorry, bud. Yeah, I fuck think it. you're already in, actually. <laughs> I think you're already in. In retro? Yeah, I think you are. Maybe. Username 5000, right? Yeah. I got you, dude. I'm stalking. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm trying to wrap this up, I know. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's fucking finish this up. We're at an hour and 20 right now. Yeah, it's so, it takes four hours if it's going to be good. This is true. Yeah, this was a great podcast. I'm uh, really looking forward to doing deeper dives on uh, more specific subjects about tabletop in the future. Um, so look out for those. Um, Matt, thanks so much for being here. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yeah, guys. dude. Yeah, dude. Uh, Alex, thanks for being here again. Yep. Um, and here's the outro.
Is there an outro? There is an outro. Dope. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Hub for Hubbub. We really appreciate you being here. If you enjoyed what you heard, please share the podcast with your friends, as that is going to be the fastest way this podcast is going to grow. If you want to reach out to us, please do so at hubforhubbub at gmail.com. That's spelled H-U-B, number four, H-U-B-B-U-B, at gmail.com. Please follow us on Twitter and Instagram, spelled the exact same way. Also, please be sure to follow and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so that you get new episodes as they are released. Hub for Hubbub was created by Corey and Cheyenne, co-hosted by Alex periodically engineered and edited by Brandon. I have been your host and producer of Hub for Hubbub, and I'm Corey the Woodtier Guru. If you want even more content by me, be sure to follow me on Twitter at WoodtierGuru. That's W-O-O-D-T-I-E-R-G-U-R-U. Everyone else has opted to keep their personal social media private, and your discretion is appreciated. It's been fun. Check back soon for more Hubbub here at Hub for Hubbub. Hub for Hubbub is primarily for entertainment purposes, and as such, personal accounts or recorded events may be embellished or entirely fabricated. Content on Hub for Hubbub is intended for mature, discerning, and rational legal adults with reasonable senses of humor and adequate access to free will. Consulting an expert or professional in addition to utilizing personal research is not only recommended, but is considered necessary by Hub for Hubbub before anyone should attempt anything having to do with what is discussed or showed on Hub for Hubbub.